Today we return to Germany to take a look at some more werewolf facts and fables. And then we travel to Australia to take a look at a terrifying event. We all think about what would happen if aliens invaded. Well, Australia got to experience it firsthand today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having fun, doing whatever you're doing. First off, first off, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now, everyone get up out of your seats. Unless you're piloting an airplane, give it up for Klaus. Klaus, everyone give a round of applause for Klaus. Walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Klaus, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Now, Klaus, I hope you have brought some old-timey clothes, some, like, vests, and, like, I don't know, a shirt. He's like, yes, Jason, I'm fully dressed, if that is what you're asking. We're going back to old-timey Germany. So, Klaus, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgeable. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to old-timey Germany. Now, yesterday we talked about old-timey Germany. We talked about foxes. We talked about were-foxes and belts of fox fur and a guy who became a furry and then loved it so much he just lived in the woods until, until he got shot in the face. The end. And it's funny, at the beginning of the intro of that episode, I go, what would happen if the furry fetish was contagious? And I never really addressed that in the story. What I meant by, I'll address it in this one because we're going to kind of talk about the same thing. What if... If, like, someone had a fetish, if they bit you, you got that fetish. So if someone's, like, a leather daddy, they're, like, walking around in, like, tight leather gimp suit. They're there your boss at work. Y'all trying to fill out forms. They're like, Johnson, is the report ready? And you're like, ah, oh, this is giant gimp standing next to you. And then he bites you. Arr! And then you became, <laughs> you became a leather freak. Wouldn't that be awful? Like... It's already bad enough, I think, to get a fetish. I almost feel like it's something that you're just like, oh, no, I'm into smelly feet. Like, wouldn't that suck? You're smelling a foot right now. You're like, I'm unsubscribing to this show. I mean, like, sure, people who have the fetish enjoy the fetish. I don't want to smell feet. I don't want to smell good-smelling feet or bad-smelling feet. But if someone who loved smelly feet is, like, sneaking up around me, I'm, like, walking to the store, and he's like, oh, dude, this is what he does during the day and at night. He smells feet. And then he jumps on my back and bites me, and then all of a sudden, like, the next full moon, the next full moon, I'm, like, hanging outside yoga studio. I do that. (laughs) <laughs> I already do that, but for different reasons. I'm just there to pick up on chicks. But let's say I was trying to smell their feet, right? It'd be awful. That would be weird. And I think that's really when you look at werewolves and werefoxes like yesterday. It's kind of what it is, right? We ta- Yesterday we talked about a school teacher who got turned into a fox and then loved it. And I thought, well, what if like that translated... And, like, you could get bit by people with fetishes and you become that. Because I am not a nudist. I don't like walking around naked in public. I wouldn't want to do it. So if a nudist bit me, I'd be really bummed. And if someone turned me into a fox, I'd be pretty bummed, too. Because those animals are, like, kind of weak, right? But what if a werewolf bit you? That would be dope. <laughs> like, no, Jason, if 
be like holding in your intestines in the middle of the woods somewhere in Germany being like, oh, this is so awesome. Get bit by a werewolf. Well, turns out, I guess getting bit by a werewolf to become a werewolf is not... There's different types of werewolves. Like, there's the werewolf you get bit by, and then you survive the bite, and then you slowly turn into the werewolf. And that was in that awful movie, Full Moon High, if you want to know more about that. But in what the legends in Germany, they'd have wolf belts. You'd get a belt made out of wolf skin, and you'd put it on, and then you would become a werewolf. So you get to choose whether or not you want to be naked, running around in the woods on all fours, all furry and stuff versus not being able to choose. So I've been recently looking into werewolf legends, and I found some really interesting ones. First off, let's travel to Zarnow in Germany. The year is 1831. We actually have a year for this one, because I got it from thinkaboutitdocs.com, and I have more news about that website in an upcoming episode. It's not good. But in 1831 in Zarnow, Germany, we're riding our horses through the woods. Clop, 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 clop. And we see a wolf running around. And we, like, go to shoot it. And I'm like, no, 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 don't shoot that dude. Because that wolf is, like, super mean and stuff. And you're like, well, obviously, it's carrying a child in its mouth. And I go, listen, many a hunter has tried to shoot that wolf, but, like, no one can kill him. <laughs> You're like, Jason, he's he clearly eating that child. Shouldn't we at least try? And I go, uh-uh, uh-uh I, have all, I have all your bullets in my hand. You don't even get to try without me. And <laughs> the kid's like, help me, help me, help me. And I'm like, if we help you, it'll interfere with the story. This wolf is ravaging this countryside. And it did kill a child. It ate a child. It was also attacking people. And it was just attacking them. They're like, oh, no, my brand new shirt. But with the kid, the kid didn't have a shirt to rip, it the the wolf just ate him. It was also killing cattle. But why, if you had, if you were a werewolf or just a regular wolf, and you saw a cow, a moose, and a baby, why would you eat the baby? Because it's like one bite. <laughs> That's like a, a fun size Snicker bar. And I can't. I'm assuming there's like a lot of fat in there, so there's a lot of like calories for the wolf, but generally elks and cows aren't in houses. So was the baby like outside? Like there obviously wasn't a line of a baby and elk and a cow. So I don't understand why a wolf would go, oh, you know what I really want to eat is that child over there when there's like squirrels and stuff to eat. He's eating butterflies. I don't know. It seems like a child would be a lot of work. Anyways, but (laughs) whatever the logistics were, he did rip this kid to pieces, right? This kid did die. So the people in town are like, we got to kill the wolf, despite what this idiot keeps saying. Won't let us shoot him and taking all of the bullets. We think you're the werewolf, Jason. The townspeople finally organize a big hunt. They actually don't think it's a werewolf. They just think it's a a wolf. They organize this big hunt to go kill this wolf. And they finally, like, get together and they, like, start surrounding it. And they're, like, beating the bushes. And the wolf's like, oh, oh, oh. And he's, like, running over here. And then there's more people with guns. And he goes over here and there's, like, more people with guns. This continues. This continues on and on for a while until eventually the villagers have made a perfect circle around this wolf. He can't go anywhere. And they got their muskets raised. They're about to shoot this wolf dead. And then all of a sudden... Out of nowhere, like magically, suddenly a large man, (laughs) described as a large man with a club, appears in front of the wolf. 
And they don't say for sure that the wolf disappears or not. I don't know if they think that the wolf turned into the caveman. They assume it's a werewolf and they run away. Um, They never saw the werewolf again, apparently, but they never killed it. They never got vengeance for it, killing the kid and all that stuff. But yeah, so a werewolf legend, that was... That was written by a guy named J.D.H. Temme. He was a German politician lawyer. He wrote fiction and nonfiction, so it's possible that this is some short story he wrote, and it just became... We've seen this happen before with other stuff we've covered on the show. It became part of werewolf lore. But I thought it was interesting because we do have the difference of not the man turning into the wolf, turning back into the man. It's almost like... To me, it almost seemed like the caveman was like the wolf's guardian spirit. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird anomaly to it. And as I was looking into werewolf stories, I got really deep in all this German. I got really deep in all this German stuff. You're like, oh no, Jason. Oh no, cancel cancel the podcast now before you ruin it. I got old-timey Germany stuff, okay? Um, I'm looking at all this stuff. You guys know about the Brothers Grimm, right? Uh, There's the Wilhelm Grimm and then his younger brother, Jacob. And I came across a tale of... It wasn't a tale. It was a list of superstitions that Jacob Grimm had recorded. These are all apparently real that old-timey German people believed. And they're all about male and female. I thought it was kind of interesting. It's like we can follow the path of the lovers through the type of superstitions that the Germans hopefully used to believe and don't anymore. Hopefully they don't believe in men anymore. Men and women. So here's a tip for you men out there. It is not good. Actually, I think this applies to everyone. It's not good. It's bad luck if you wake up in the morning and you walk outside, you're walking down the street. If you see an old woman... That means you're going to have a bad day. You're like, damn it, I work in a retirement home. I live in a retirement home. All I see is old ladies. You're like, oh, today's going to suck so bad. If you see an old woman, you're going to have a bad day. It's bad luck. But if you see a young woman, it's good luck. So there's that. And according to Jacob Grimm, these if you, it's, if you, if you see one old woman, you're boned already. But if you happen to walk between two old women... You'll have the worst luck ever that day. And there's this quote. This is what Jacob Grimm wrote. Quote, many men would rather, (laughs) many men would rather let themselves be beaten to death than to walk between two old women. But now we've gotten past the bad luck portion of our day. (laughs) A couple of our listeners have been beaten to death because they did not want to walk between two old ladies. Now let's look at the courtship, the way that Germans would court each other. If a woman wants to figure out, like, how is my husband going to be? <laughs> she's not married already, right? She's a young maid, and she can just look if she's married and go, oh, my husband's that slob. She, what she has to do is she has to lean, she has to walk backwards against a wood pile, a big old thing of wood. And without looking, she has to reach behind her, and she gra- She has to do this on Christmas Eve, too. <laughs> so if you're doing it right now, you're standing in front of a wood pile now, you got to wait till Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, you stand, a young woman stand up against a wood pile. She reaches backwards and she grabs a piece of wood and she pulls it out. And if it's crooked, then her husband will be a crooked man. And if it's upright and strong, she will have a strong man, which she will probably need when she's buried underneath all of the logs since she played Jenga in real life. Also, on Christmas Eve, between 11 and 12 o'clock, all single girls wake up. You didn't know this? 
I know the female members of the audience are nodding their head right now. They've been fully aware of this. But Christmas Eve between 11 and 12, all single girls wake up. And to learn whether or not they will marry in the next year, they have to take off all their clothes. Then they have to go into the kitchen. And I'm going to read this to you because I don't know of any other way to interpret this. They're in the kitchen. They, quote, stick their heads into the kitchen kettle and watch the bubbling water. That's all it says. Now, I don't know if like a little Casper apparition of their lover appears in the boiling water, but I will guess that many of these women met their husbands at the burn ward later later that night. And if, guys, you're getting married right you're getting married right now and you're listening to this podcast, hold up. I know you're about to put on your wife's shoes, because that's something we do. If the groom buckles the bride's left shoe on their wedding day, she will take control of the marriage. So maybe you're into that, I don't know. But if you're not, if you're not and you're listening to this podcast, and and your wife's a leprechaun, and you have to buckle her shoes, make sure you start with the right shoe. It says, it doesn't say the buckle the left shoe first or second, just don't do it. Just let her walk around with a floppy shoe for the rest of their day. Now we move to the husband and wife things. You guys are happily married. And this is where it really jumps up. This is where Jacob Grimm is like, okay, let's earn that last name. Because the first one, sure, a man got beaten to death because he didn't want to walk in between two old ladies. But, you know, the other one was fine. The court, I guess the one to get her face boiled off. I guess that was pretty grim. Husband and wife. Quote, when a woman's neck or throat itches, then she will soon go to baptism. If her head itches, it means she will be beaten. So that's awful, right? That's quite a ramp up. You know, your throat itches, you're trying to clear your throat. Maybe you'll see a baby get dunked underwater. But (laughs) if your head itches, you're kind of boned. If a stranger, this is where grammar is really important. Here's another one. If a stranger looks into the parlor on a Monday morning, he, meaning the stranger, will cause the husband to beat his wife. So how I imagine this works is I have a house with my beautiful wife and I'm walking around and she's like lounging in the chair in the parlor and some dude walks by and looks into my parlor. I go home I go home and beat his wife, right? Isn't that how it works? I don't think that that means I beat my wife. <laughs> I'm not going to argue this in court. I'm like, your honor, German precedent is very clear. I was allowed to go home and beat that man's wife. They're like, what are you talking about, you lunatic? So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's you beat your own wife. <laughs> It's still it's awful any other way. If a dog runs between there, these are all about beating women, by the way. Like it, it's all downhill from here. I got two more to go. But if a dog runs between a woman's legs, her husband will beat her. Bizarre. And this last one, I don't know if Jacob Graham had like a bubbling, boiling fetish. He's like, he's all like, ooh, which is brew, my favorite. My favorite part of the story is going into graphic detail. Each bubble popped with deliciousness. And the brother's like, "Uh, we're going to edit this stuff out, you big old weirdo. Here's his last thing. For as long as the food continues to boil or simmer on the table, the cook will be beaten by her husband. Which I immediately thought, (laughs) I think this is why I've never seen a German family at a Mexican restaurant. 
Because I can imagine someone bringing out fajitas. They're all, and the dude's like, they're like, Johnny, please, no, don't. Husband's running and beating up the cooks in the kitchen. The wife's like, oh, why do we, why do we go to these Mexican restaurants all the time? Why does he love fajitas so much? Those things bubble and, and you have to be them for as long as it's sizzling. So it's like 10 minutes later, his arms are getting tired. He's like, ah, ah, I need to start working out more before I engage in these old timey folk tales. It goes on to say that child labor is good. If you have a shirt that's made by a girl under the age of seven, you'll get good luck. You'll be, you'll be pushing old ladies over in no time. If the girl's between five or seven years old who makes your shirt, it actually protects against magic. And if she's, Specifically, a five-year-old girl and she makes your shirt, you will receive justice in all legal proceedings. So that is some German superstitions. Hopefully they don't believe them anymore. But we will find out. We will find out if there is a Mexican restaurant in Germany. Go there. Order the fajitas. I wonder if they even have fajitas on the menu in Germany. They could just be like, we're not cooking these anymore. <laughs> all of them. All of the cooks have like big comic, like comic book sized lumps on their heads. They're like, no fajitas. Klaus, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this delicious Mexican restaurant. Our arms are tired and our bellies are full of fajitas. We are headed all the way out to Australia. I said I was going to talk about this on a later episode. I'll talk about it right now. Think about it, docs.com, a website we've used a lot on this show. One of my favorite websites to get information from, it's down. As far as I can tell, it's gone. Caspian Montague in the Patreon Discord was able to find some archives back in September because I was talking about it on... We're recording a live episode right now. He pointed that out. I actually, when I find a website that 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 is that integral to the show, I downloaded the entire website to my computer. Because it just has so much great stuff. So even if the archives weren't there, I do have a I have multiple copies of it, actually, on a computer and then on a hard drive. So I'm going to get in touch with the creator and see if they need a backup. But yeah, that's a huge it's a huge I mean, we have it backed up so we can still access it. But it's such a great site for the show. If you want to talk about obscure stories, think about it. Docs.com is it like that just makes the work on the show so much easier. So I hope that this is just some sort of temporary blip for them but klaus go ahead and bring this carpenter copter on down it's march 1828 so it's still fairly old timey we're north of Wingen. that's in new south wales australia and as the helicopter is slowing down and we're looking for a place to land we see smoke billowing out of the ground like little little cave opening Smoke's coming out, and then there's like, uh, I don't know, like a daffodil, and smoke's surrounding the daffodil. And there's like a duck. There's a duck sitting there, and smoke's coming out of its bills. Uh, the whole area is called Burning Mountain Nature Reserve. And what happens is, a long, long time ago, this coal mine, or this, it was never even mined. Underneath the ground, there's a ton of coal. And 6,000 years ago, a fire started, and it's just never gone out. So all this coal is constantly burning and, and smoke is shooting out of these holes and the ground is turning red. And you can you walk around on it. So it's not like you're going to get like hot feet or anything. Nowadays, it's like a tourist attraction. The Aborigines thought it was a cursed place. 
And then there was a young man trying to make a fire by the base of the mountain. And then the evil one came out of the depths and grabbed him. He couldn't get away. He's fighting. He can't break free of this creature. So he set the entire mountain on fire to warn others not to come near. And now it's, now it's a tourist destination. But yeah, so smoke comes out of the ground. All this coal's on fire. And it happened 6,000 years ago, so people never had a chance to really mine the coal. You get used to it, right? Australia is being settled in by the Europeans. They're just like, oh, the mountain's on fire? Whatever. But, I mean, you can't complain about it. It was like that before you got there. You're like, oh, I want to move. I don't, I don't want to be a prisoner anymore. I want to confess of my crimes and go back to England. Nah, you're a prisoner. You're stuck here. So, and then they have little prisoner babies and then Australia as it is today. So, and today this mountain is still on fire. But in March 1828, something happened that gave the people of Wingen a new view of the word fire. A large silvery cigar-shaped object appeared in the afternoon sky. And all the townspeople, what? Look, look at that. Huh, whoa, up there in the sky. It's coming down. It's landing at the burning mountain. And as it's landing, it sets the countryside on fire. Everyone run! Fire. Burning stuff. All the vegetation nearby. There goes that daffodil. All the grass, trees are like, Ugh, they're all catching on fire and stuff like that. And then cattle were like, and they're trying to like get away from it. With this wall of fire coming off of this intensely hot UFO. Cow burns up. Multiple cow burns up. It wasn't just one of them. But anyways, <laughs> that's not the end of the story. It's not just about, but it's not about how hamburgers were invented. The ship lands, all these cows are burned, all this vegetation is burned, and the people in town are like, what it happened? Like, what is that? A couple hours later, because what are you going to do, right? You're not going to walk up and investigate it. There's like a wall of flame around the thing. There's a bunch of dead cattle. You're not going to be like, oh, I, wonder, I wonder what that ship will do to my frail little human body. People just kind of stayed in town and they were curious, obviously. They didn't just go back to work. Some of them might have. But a lot of people are just like, oh, no, that was super crazy. Our entire planet got set on fire and all these animals died. So... The ship is landing there, and then around town, they start to notice really tall people walking through town. Uh, that's how I imagine tall people sound when they walk. They're walking around town, and the townspeople are like, uh, they're like hiding in their houses and stuff like that. I imagine it's like a Wild West town, little saloon doors going, ee, ee, ee. and the casket maker is like measuring the caskets. He's like shaking his head because they're too tall for the casket. Anyways, anyways, the bordello, the girls are like, ooh, new customers. Get in there, ladies, and earn your keep, though. Anyways, this isn't theater of the mind about an old West Town. Gene Hackman shows up, shoots Leonardo DiCaprio. These tall people are walking through the town, and they don't communicate with the humans at all. There's no telepathic communication. They're not talking. All they would do is occasionally just point at something. And then they would start walking again. That's way, that is way more menacing, right? That's way creepier than if they were like, we are here for your natural resources. We are here to take some of your people and direct us to your nearest bordello. We want to see what is the hot ladies are there. 
that would be pretty unnerving too. But imagine just you're sitting at a McDonald's one day, you're eating your you're eating your Australian made burger, and then you look out the window and there's a tall guy just pointing right at you. And then walks away. You're like, what? And so they're walking through the town and they're pointing at people. And around the same time that this is going on, so you have the ship that's still located there. You have the people, tall people walking through town pointing. Townspeople start to realize something. Hey, did anyone see where my uh, bucket of milk went? No, Jonesy, where'd you put it? I put it right here. Right here, where that stranger was pointing at earlier. Hey, Bill! You got those two cows that you were hanging out with? <laughs> you, you hang out with on Friday nights because you have no friends? I don't know where they're at. They were right here a second ago until that tall man pointed at my cows. Hey, hey, Peter! Peter? Huh? I'm walking through your house and no one's here. There's like some coffee on the stove that was, ooh, it's still warm. But nobody is here. What had happened was, as these guys are walking through town and pointing at stuff, around the same time, things began to disappear, including cattle and humans. And then eventually... <laughs> and the story just kind of ends. They don't say for sure. There's no story about like them getting back on the ship. They kind of left that part out. So I don't know if one day the guys weren't there and the ship was gone and they didn't hear it fly away. There's no story of like the tall guys walking back to the ship and getting on the ship. But at some point they just left. You can't you can't go there to take the Burning Mountain Nature Reserve and being like, can I see the spaceship, please? You're like, what are you talking about, you big old weirdo? So, this story was... I got it from thinkaboutadocs.com. They've never steered me wrong. They got it from the Australasian Post. The Australasian Post. Which, I looked it up. It was an actual real newspaper. It started off as a real newspaper, I guess is a better way to say it. And then it became like a Maxim magazine-ish thing in like the 1940s where it had bikini girls on the cover. And then it would run sensationalized stories, but it also covered stories like politics and news and sports and stuff like that. And so they did publish this story. Then a website or publication called Strange Nation covered it. And then think about it, docs.com covered it. So I think through a little bit, and I wasn't able to find, I really looked for the Australasian Post, or I think they changed it to Aussie Post in the end. It's out of business. It went out of business in 2012, 2013. So I wasn't able to find a back issue of it. I looked around a lot to see if I can find any more information on this story to back it up. Because what this story really shows is the raw power of the alien invaders. We talk a lot. We've covered a lot of stuff on this story. We had the one where the KGB were like shooting at aliens and they massacred a bunch of greys. And then the tall guys got up from their command post and they just, they were bulletproof. And the Russians had to leave the island. We covered that. I'll put that in the show notes. We've covered a lot of stories where people have had shootouts with aliens. They're fairly, I want to say common, but in UFO lore, they're not super rare. But imagine facing a force that literally, like, you just can't fight. They're, the thing about these guys is they don't even put up any force of fight. They just simply walk and point. They didn't have to threaten. They didn't have to bargain. 
They didn't have to kill. <laughs> so when their ship landed, they destroyed their local economy. They just walked through and pointed at stuff. Silently pointing at something. And it was gone. Now, not instantly. It's not like he was playing Meeny Miny Mo. There's a guy at the bar. He's like, no, not me. Like he would point. You'd get pointed at. And then like a day or two later, you you vanished. We don't know how long the invaders were here for. We don't know when they left. We don't know how many people vanished, how many livestock vanished. We don't know this stuff. But it just still, whether it was, I guess it doesn't matter if it was one cow and one human. It's still terrifying to think that these beings can be so powerful they have to exert no real physical presence. Like reptilians have the claws, shrink, and they're, I've heard stories about like reptilian gladiator combat, man versus reptilian, and things like that. Reptilians are constantly getting shot at, and they're very like muscular, clawed creatures. Greys are just big old wimps. You could snap their neck if you really thought about it. They have some sonic powers. We've talked about that in past episodes. The Lyrans are the new new it thing. They're the cat aliens. And, uh, and the insectoids, you know, fighting an insect would be really difficult. But again, we're talking about fighting these things. Grey aliens often have, yeah, sonic powers, but they still have to exert that power on you. These guys did nothing but point. And you were never seen again. That's power. And I think when we talk about aliens and we we fall into this... It's fun. I love researching aliens, don't get me wrong. But we start to get trapped in these mindsets like, this is how we beat up a gray alien. This is how we would... This is how we would run away from a reptilian. We forget... I think we sometimes forget the power level of these things. Their ship comes down. It's not a silent glide. It's a roar. And it scorches the earth. It's like a foot stomping on an ant hive. And they just walk through town. They point. They get what they want. With no resistance. We better hope that the mythology is correct. That this Illuminati mythology that the world is secretly ruled by reptilians. We better hope that's correct. Because we have a chance against them. You're walking down the street and you see, you see the Queen of England. You're like, you're going to have a bad day, your highness. When, before, before, the, before the government of England arrested me, she's supposedly a reptilian. I would not actually beat up the Queen of England. But... <laughs> she's ashamed she has him getting arrested right now I'm like ah oh, oh, like and subscribe <laughs> she's a reptilian right I see this old woman first thing in the morning I'm like ha, 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 ha. Um, we better hope we're fighting reptilians or greys because reptilians we can beat they have to use weapons they have to be smart they kidnap people and they hold them in Antarctica they have like troop supply lines and organizations and stuff like that they require us as a food source. These other dudes just show up and point. They don't have to assume people's shapes. They don't have to control the media and, and, and implant secret reptilian codes, warning other reptilians of upcoming events like predictive programming. They just point. And they get what they want. We better hope that the reptilian theory is right. Because otherwise, right now, there could be a fleet headed to Earth. Australia? That was just a scouting mission. 
A fleet headed to Earth. Ready to pierce our atmosphere and set the sky on fire. They will land. They will disembark. And they will conquer the planet. Simply by pointing. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.